Merry Christmas. This is episode 34, season four of the podcast. My name is Russ Shaw. For the Grinches out there, the fellow Grinches at heart a bit. (laughs) Some bumper music for you. Kick this thing off. How's everything going in your worlds out there? Would love to hear from you. It's Russ at ASI247.org. That's my email address. Uh, I usually answer those emails pretty promptly, so I'm working on that. But I'd love to hear from you, the listener. Also, ASI247.org is the website, my Facebook, uh, Twitter handle, all that stuff. If you'd like to message me that way, uh, being more discreet, I don't know. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, yes, I do accept donations right there on the website as well. But more than that, um, if you like the podcast, if the podcast has made an impact on your heart, mind, soul, has made any kind of difference in your life whatsoever, man, I would appreciate uh, maybe a review on however you listen, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. I would certainly appreciate it. It is a way to give back without the finances. So the economy of heart and soul, um, sharing your story with me or sharing the impact in a review is is something that I, man, it blows my mind that people even listen. Um, the fact that this would make some kind of impact is a whole nother economy altogether as the ripple effect continues. Let's kick this thing off. Here we go. Brace yourselves, it's Christmas, and for some of us, this season, as much as we would not like it to come, it's here. How are we going to react, right? I love this. I listened to a while back a kind of biography of Dr. Seuss, and this man was a recluse, all right? He was a creative. He was sort of hard to get along with, all right? He wasn't the most personable, friendly kind of guy. Some people uh, would describe him as that. But he wrote these great children's stories, and somewhere in his heart, I don't know what the man maybe had been through in his own history, but he wrote these words in a book that became a film, and that continues with this ripple effect. Here you go. I love this. My favorite, one of my all-time favorite Christmas quotes right here. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzed till his puzzle was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. Yes, Dr. Seuss, I wanted to 
end the show with some stuff I recorded in my car. Um, but first, you know, I wanted to say to some folks, maybe listening now, you know, that message of of God sending his son, right? God entering time and space encased in flesh, the, the mystery of the incarnation, the beauty of that. Um, it's not an ideology, all right? It's not just simply religion. It's human history. There's this uh, passage in the Bible, I think the whole chapter, to put it in context, would be 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul talks about, you know, the, the thing of first importance that God gave, that God's generosity gave in that moment, and, and we celebrate that this time of year. Um, he also says something pretty daring, I thought, pretty ballsy, <laughs> I even use that word, in that chapter of the Bible. He says, if Jesus wasn't born lived the life, right? He, his work, his personhood died and was resurrected. All right. Like if Jesus's bones are in the desert somewhere, if his DNA is on, right, some corpse, we, we don't have a faith. Paul says that in first Corinthians 15, he's and what he's doing is he's banking this on human history. Like this actually happened this story, this message, this thing that we celebrate this time of year, this, this is human history. This actually happened. It's not just religion. It's not just a set of rules to live by. It's not an ideology or a philosophy. It's, it's human history. It's God entering into our story, your and my story. And, and hopefully that's, uh, that's what you can... It's what's helped me, all right? It's one of the things I put my rest in when times are tough and money is tight and, and money has been tight, you know? And going to the store and you're thinking about buying stuff and, and it's like, you know, I don't think the Lord wanted us to go in a bunch of debt, you know, and be saddled with a bunch of credit card debt, for example. And and we think that, though. It's just such a weight. And and I'm I'm pushing back on that with this this kind of um, peace. Like my friend Seth says that that it's in the Bible. Jesus said it too, right? The the peace that passes understanding is is something we 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 have to let in. So here's me in the car the other day. I apologize for the audio up front. It's I had the mic sensitivity on high, and it's sitting on the dashboard of my car as I was going through some messages and uh, thinking about my conversation with Randall and with Seth Taylor and just the end of the year stuff and how this message, this this season of my own life, the season of the ministry, ASI, is getting back to the beginning, right? Getting back to what started it, the passions and the, and the message that it was first founded upon before Mars Hill and before, and I'm not mad at Mars Hill. I, I, the whole thing that that happened was it was good. It was a learning experience. It was like maybe going to college, sort of, <laughs> as far as relationally concerned and understanding the, uh, the ins and outs of organized religion, right? To use that word. Um, but yeah. So on the other end of this bumper, 
You'll hear me uh, ranting and raving in my car a little, maybe. <laughs> so, I don't know, working through some stuff. is train doing some Christmas music love it how is your Christmas season so far um, mine's been doing pretty well uh, my interview with Randall I wanted to address that we are doing a part two to that but I, I wanted to do a little Christmas show uh, in between to kind of tell you where the ASI podcast is at and and how I'm doing how uh, how this message is reaching others. Um, some of the feedback I got just from Randall, I wanted to address that a little bit because there's this, you know, this kind of judgment or people listen almost with a kind of, all right, I'm going to find out where this guy's at as far as homosexuality is concerned, right? Like we don't, we don't look at people as people, Right, we're just kind of in the in the sin juggling. Uh, it, it seems to me. I don't know why. Are we afraid? Right? Are we afraid that you know if we actually embrace some people with some different views? Right? That we might get infected with sin? Right? Um, does Russ Shaw believe that homosexuality is straight out and out sin? Um, I've talked about that in the past and. You know, there's some reviews of the podcast that I thought were unfair just because it's like, do you even listen to this show? And there was a few folks from the gay community that said, don't listen to this podcast, that Russ, you know, boycott hate. There's not a whole lot to it. It's in the iTunes section. There's a lot of reviews on iTunes. Um, but that was one of them. And I'm like, my reaction to that was at first, it was like, hey, you know, do you, do you listen? Like, why don't you get to know me a little more <laughs> before you, you know, throw out that those kinds of judgments. And so it was kind of a knee-jerk thing. But in some of the past shows, uh, you know, I talked about the sin is sin kind of did I have that attitude I'm kind of going back and after talking with Randall and and, and really um, reevaluating how I addressed people when it came to sin whether it's the porn uh, addiction Seth Taylor right Seth Taylor's um, approach towards homosexuality um, we talked a little bit about that but his approach towards desire and 
um, the porn addiction, right? Living in the spirit, like he said. There's there's differences in that. The way he looks at pornography um, as an addiction and, and as medication. I mean, this is some of the stuff that I talked about in some of the early shows. It's funny how God, I feel like in my relationship with Christ has, since the fall of Mars Hill, has really been bringing me back to what I did at first, right? Going back to the, the book of Acts, uh, Paul is saying that to, to some of the, the folks, right, who are, who are like um, realizing that their way of doing things wasn't working. And I, I don't know how many of you are finding healing still through the podcast. I, I am writing the book to address and not, not be too redundant, right? Talking about some of the things I talked about in the beginning, but also getting into the story of being a Christ follower. So my point, I know, I just went off on six different tangents right there, right? <laughs> my point is this. Um, calling sin, sin. Um, I'm a sinner, so I need to fix that and correct that about my porn addiction. And then some of us still have this weird attitude towards people with same-sex attraction, right? Or or gay men, gay women. Um, however you address that people group, the way we do it nowadays, there's still that weird thing of judgment. And one of the things that I've noticed is that that same energy, because it's not just a thought, it becomes an emotional energy, right? And and some of that energy, that same energy that we judge um, same-sex people, uh, same-sex couples, uh, gay people, the pride parade, whatever, some of that same energy gets redirected at ourselves and it lives in us. Because we we don't just believe it, but it, it's it's that energy, it's that that thing that's in us. So when I now people are going to go, oh well, Russ is gonna, you know, poo-poo homosexuality or whatever. Listen, I'm I'm a Jesus follower, all right. <laughs> I'm almost reluctant to call myself a Christian, just because that word, like, oh, you're a Christian, so you believe that that, that I'm a Christ follower. So I want to. I want to address people in the same way Jesus did. And Jesus didn't... When Jesus was... Acted, if you asked Jesus directly, all right, so do you believe homosexuality is sin? More than likely, if you read the scriptures, if you go through the Bible, more than likely Jesus is not going to give a yes or no question, answer to your question. And I would go so far as to also say that maybe that's what you're looking for. It's easier to just get a cut and dry, black or white, yes or no answer to that question than it is to really go into the depths of what Christ might say if you asked such a question, right? Because there's very few times that he asked direct questions. He was usually going to answer your question with another question in order to dig deeper, to go after the person, as my friend Paul Young would say, to go after the person in relationship. Not just to get to the heart of the issue, but to go after the heart of the individual asking the question. Jesus loved, again, loved the folks who were, were 
questioning, we're trying to understand, we're struggling, right, with sin, using that word in quotes, you know. So I want to kind of live in that tension. Um, the book that I was talking about is called Love is an Orientation. Uh, in part one with Randall, I was trying to think of this book and I couldn't remember the title of it. And that's the title of it. And uh, the author talks about living in that tension. Um, Randall, you know, hey, since I was seven years old, I've had this kind of desire. What is that? Right? I know that the Bible has things to say about it and how he's struggling with his his desires in that place is is a place that I, won't, I don't want to reject him. I don't want to reject people like him and the Christians do that and it's it's always been a thing with me that's pushed me away from God the way that Christians um, I put that in quotes uh, have reacted to gay people you know I mean th this is this is pre me coming to Christ for my AC3 right tear down reconstruct of my faith this this forgiveness washed over me much earlier than that and that was a barrier for me as a porn addict not that I'm you know same sex attraction or or something like that uh, but it was like, you know, ugh, these people, they just don't like people who are honest. So here's one thing that I wanted to address, and then I'll put a lid on this, and we'll, we'll wait for Randall to, to talk about part two. Uh, I don't want to get into touching on some of the stuff that we're going to talk about. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll end it with this. Uh, people want to put you in a box when it comes to this issue, and I would... I would... Okay, let me rephrase that. I'm just trying to go here without editing too much of the show up in pieces. You can hear me struggle with my thoughts here a little bit as well. Um, it's usually a um, affirming, right? Are you gay affirming? Because if you're gay affirming, then, uh, you know, you're not being biblical and you're out. As far as a lot of people, their thought police pops up, right? And they say... Okay, if you're a gay affirming person, then you're not you're you're against what it says in the Bible about sin, right? So, um, and then there's the calling it sin, but loving the sinner, but not the sin, right? And, and, and there's that crowd, right? So, so they'll say that if you're if you're gay, if you're not gay affirming, then you're a love the sin or hate the sin, but you're not doing that. So my, that's my um, wisdom for you. As a guy who's talked about attitudes of sexual integrity for 10 years, who's answered emails all over the world, all over the English-speaking world, I've had conversations with, with people in Israel, with people in Australia, with people in Africa, um, UK, Europe, India, I mean, places that aren't even Brazil. I have a friend in Brazil. There's, there's folks, Japan. Um, and not to say I'm an expert, all right, but I've had these conversations. And to say that you are a, um, I love the sinner, hate the sin, you don't even know what you're talking about. You're not addressing that crowd 
And he, see, there I go. I call him that crowd. Even, even to say that. I'm in that crowd, right? I'm in the crowd of, I know my sin. I have sin. It's down deep. It's in the way I react. It's in my anger. It's in, it's, it's it, you know, getting over the whole porn compulsion just had me going, oh, wow, these are all the things I used to medicate myself from. And, and now that I don't, it's it's this raw understanding of the, the human um, reactions to life. And sometimes it comes out angry. And sometimes I forget things that I shouldn't. And, and right? So I'm, I'm living in that tension. Because I'm never going to be perfect. Right? So... My point is, again, my point is the affirming or non-affirming, right, is what if that's the, I'll just raise this question, what if that's the wrong way to approach this? What if it's the wrong way to approach this altogether? Again, if you ask Jesus, just think about this. And if you read the Bible and you're a Christian, you know how Jesus answers questions that are directly fired at him. Um, in the book, he says that there's a there's only four times where Jesus actually answers a direct question, and and those four times it's when he's going to be crucified. Um, when we approach other people. Are we Christ-like? Are we Christ-like? If, if that person asks a question of you, because maybe they are actually in that place where they may actually want to open up to you, right? But they may ask a question to see if you're a safe place for their heart to rest. And I think that's important. So the question that they may ask is, are you gay affirming? What what if they said that to you? How would you answer that question? Do you have a a family member? I mean, some folks that I've talked to, like they're, they're like hating Christmas. Like the whole warm Christmas spirit thing is, they're having a real hard time with it because of family members and how they think about their, like Randall said, pre-existing condition. Um... How are you approaching that? What if we did, like Randall said, take words like choice and tolerance out of the equation? What if we could actually love people like Jesus does? That's a concept, isn't it? Yes, I'm a Christian, and if you want to put me in some kind of box, you're going to have a real hard time. Because I'm, I'm not going to follow you down this weird trail of clobbering people. Because that doesn't change the heart. It doesn't change the heart. It doesn't change the mind. And it won't change behavior over time. Um, I mean, history has pretty much proved that. I mean, just look at all the anti-gay rhetoric from Christians over the years and and say, how how are we doing, right? As the, as the TV show psychologist, who I don't quote very often, but I will quote in this occasion, um, Dr. Phil says, how's that working for you, right? 
love the sinner, hate the sin. How is that working for you? It's not. It's not. So we're going to continue that discussion uh, next week. Hopefully before January 1st. And then we get to the season finale of uh, season four of the ASI podcast. But I wanted to address that and uh, I hope that you would think about that differently. Um, I also wanted to say something, addressing some emails and messages. Uh, I said something at the beginning of the interview with Randall about giving up on the battle uh, and and then it got really bad or giving up on the fight. Um, And then I talked about with Seth Taylor that it's not a fight and when I started to realize it's not a fight um, things changed. Uh, I wanted to address that because it sounded like I was contradicting, right? It's one thing I I, I used to bring up with my issues with the Bible. Like, I remember bringing the Bible into Pastor Rick's office and saying, here's where the Bible contradicts itself on these, all these different occasions. And what I really learned was that the Bible is going to speak to different levels. And in those, I mean, it wasn't written in English. All right. So there's that. Uh, going through different translations and understanding that there's there's different layers, and, and that's something uh, that my book is going to talk about. <laughs> I'm, I'm continuing to be diligent about writing my thoughts into a, a way that people can understand them that would help some folks. But I'm going to talk about some layers to to this conversation and and to the approach of overcoming. Uh, porn addiction, which I think may be the wrong way of looking at it, more like breaking up with uh, the <laughs> the doppelganger kind of relationship that you have with with pornography, like a really crappy ex girlfriend that you you're trying to break up with, right? That treats you really badly, you know. She's standing there, you know, with a scowl on her face, smoking a cigarette and drinking a. Uh, a fifth of like old crow bourbon like the bottom of the barrel kind of <laughs> right and she's and you need to break up with her you just do so that's my that would be some of my approach to uh, overcoming pornography uh, as an addiction um but anyway getting back to my point uh, the battle what is the battle then Russ is there a battle is there a fight is there a war um Seth and I will talk about that. We're going to have another discussion. Uh, he has like a workbook coming out and, and stuff, and, and that'll be cool. So we're going to talk about some of that. Uh, there has been times where I did fight my own desires because I had conflicting desires living inside me. Two different desires. That's that's part of why we're all feeling guilty, right? Um, that feeling of guilt can get mixed with shame and I'm going to be writing you know a lot about that too um, but yeah to, to how is that for a non-answer there's a a kind of again tension to use that word between guilt and shame and the fact that we feel bad about our relationship with um you know this this woman with the smeared lipstick and the cigarette and the uh, <laughs> the old crow, right? The reason we feel bad about that is because 
there's some value that we're crossing wires with. And so I, I'll be talking about that. Uh, that's going to be a different approach and writing that out in a way that's that's more relational in a storytelling kind of fashion that will help you feel, <laughs> have you feel that tension and hopefully solve it in a way that's more has to do with your relationship with God than it does, you know, the kind of right and wrong and you're doing this bad or in like, you know, there's so much of addiction recovery that has the approach of sounding like a, a like an instruction manual, right? Like you know, you buy some wart remover at the store, and there's so many books that sound like that. You know, you just you open the package and you put this cream on, right? And hopefully, it's it's not that simple. It's not a instruction manual kind of a thing. It's a a deeply felt um, walking in relationship. And I'll say this with the creator of the universe and the lover of your soul. And some of you may not believe that. And I'm cool with that. And I'm not just, I'm not, I never ever started this podcast or started speaking publicly about this with the intent of preaching to the choir. All right. I want you to know that big time. I am not a preaching to the choir kind of guy. This is not going to be a quote Christian book for Christian consumption. Um, this is going to be a book for people because I think that's also how Jesus approached uh, the world, right? People in the world. He wasn't just after the religious people. As a matter of fact, he usually had the hardest time with them. And they're the ones that stuck him on an old Roman cross. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be trying to be as sensitive as I can to Christians, right? Because uh, I do love them. I, I, I love you guys too. Um, some of you who are pastors, some of you who are youth ministers, some of you who are professional religious people. Um, I, I, I love you. I really do. And I want to address some of my frustration with you and with the whole approach of the Christian machine, right? Because it, man, it, it is a machine, and it churns out people, and sometimes it grinds people up, and, and a lot of those people are people like me, um, people who didn't have the rosiest of childhoods. The, the amount of people I've talked to who are much like me, that have, who have given up on the church, is, is it's staggering, it's sobering, it's... It, it it angers and it stirs my heart of affection for Jesus because Jesus really does love and pursue the least of these the least of these whether you're a, a professional who's you know kind of uh, has his stuff in the dark sitting in an office listening to this or you're um, a prostitute um, you're, you're the least of these and Jesus loves you where you're at Randall talked about the conservative kind of Republican guy who 
And not that all conservative Republicans are bad, all right? I'm just, let me throw that out there. But this guy who talked about stoning gays, you know, and it was th- had me thinking about the, uh, you know, the woman caught in adultery and, and Jesus, you know, talking about, hey, you who are without sin, why don't you throw the first stone? And it's funny how the Bible records oldest to youngest they started dropping their stones. Like the older folks are like, <laughs> okay, right, <laughs> drop, drop the stones. Like I, yeah, uh, all right. Um, but then he he tells her this, and it's something that haunted me in the past: is is go and sin no more, right? Go and sin no more. So a lot of folks will take that argument when. You know, and it's part of why I held it back. Like I almost brought that up, but you know that that brings up that verse. Like all the conservative folks and all the non-affirming crowd. If there's two lines politically to this thinking, um, they're going to think about that. Go and sin no more. But if you're listening to this show, um, how, how is that working for you? Would you call yourself sinless? I'm just asking the question, you know, it's it's just a lot easier to point the finger and, and d- discuss words like affirming or non-affirming when you're talking about someone else. It's much different when you're the the naked woman who is about to be have throw rocks thrown at her until she's dead. Um, some of us feel like that. If you've ever dealt with the pornography addiction to the point where you just feel uh, almost suicidal or or even suicidal like like I was like Seth was um, that's a that's a point that's a death point you know and Jesus loved her he loved her and, and said hey I'm not condemning you so, you know, that that's the tension, isn't it? That's the tension. Um, so as the Gary Hoey music plays in the background, I want to talk about some of my favorite uh, Christmas lyrics. This is from uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Joy the triumph of the skies with angelic hosts proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Jesus who again the son of God, the the manifestation of God in flesh walking among us comes to not just pay the debt as a transaction but to meet you, right? You, behind your ears. The glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that. It's it's his story. It's his work and the person that he is. It's about his loving relationship with you and me. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life, all that He brings, risen with healing in His wings. That's from Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Again, 
like Seth said, you know, when's the last time your peace, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, when was the last time your peace surpassed your understanding? We're putting, trying to put understanding ahead of peace is like putting the cart before the horse, literally. I know that might sound cliche, but it really is true. As Emmanuel, as God among us, the divine encased in flesh, the incarnation, that's real. And he is savior, came to save the world. It's not a transaction. It's not a, um, you know, Luther kind of put it in some of that instructional manual. <laughs> some some folks, you know, post Mars Hill, you know, we've had these conversations like, you know, this is not just a, 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 a the great transaction, right? The great exchange. It sounds like a, it sounds like something that takes place in the stock market. No, this is relationship. This is God entering into the story to save sinners like you and me. And that's the truth. So Merry Christmas. And I'm going to leave this with, uh, I'm going to quote some words to three of some of my favorite Christmas songs because they have everything to do with that message and we hear them this time of year and maybe some beauty can come through that music into your soul through these words because they're very hey it's me again I'm back in my basement not in the car <laughs> this editing process right um so yeah I got a ride request I kept working and I wanted to finish out my thoughts and end out the show with this last Christmas tune that you've uh, probably heard before I love this song but it has an interesting story Um, it started out as a diary entry by a woman um, named Christina Rosaletti Rosetti uh, Christina Rosetti uh, that was the first title of it. Um, time files, a dad, a, a diary entry in 1885. It was later included in the collection of verses in 1883 under the title Christmas Tide. It started out as a poem. It wasn't a song, um, but it became a Christmas carol by many composers who have set the arrangements and set it to music. Uh, It hit the charts as a Christmas song in 1993, um, interestingly enough. And I wanted to play a bumper of that. Uh, I think I can play the whole song, actually, because technically, the you know, there's all these different laws. So I'll play a bumper from it. But it was written a long time ago. And the band Jars of Clay covered it. Um, hopefully they won't sue me, right? But uh, here it is. This is a kind of ending all of the points that I wanted to make with this podcast as we think about overcoming um, compulsive behavior. And I want you to think about this. What if you're, this thing that you're saddled with, this addiction, like my friend Paul Young says, what if it's the affliction that heals? All right? 
That's something to, to wrap your mind and your heart around. What if the fact that God didn't take this from you? So what I used to pray that over and over again, God, please take this from me. Um, what if the fact that he hasn't is not some kind of weird, you know, you get, we get mad at him. We start to, eh, he's not doing what I said, right? <laughs> Trying to boss him around. What if there's a relational aspect to this? What if this is an affliction that heals? And what if love did come down on Christmas, right? What if you can have a relationship with the creator of the universe and the lover of your soul just simply by spending some quiet time, just praying, just going for a walk, going for a hike maybe, and talking to God and making some peace? With your creator. I love you guys. I do mean that uh, sincerely. Merry Christmas. And until next time. Bye.